Bits and Bricks. Welcome to Bits and Bricks, a podcast about all things LEGO games. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at the rich 25-year history of LEGO games, chat with early developers and seasoned studios who have all tackled the creation of video games for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the LEGO Group. That was the track Avant Garden's launch from the newly remastered LEGO Universe original game soundtrack. And for any diehard fans of the game out there, you may have not heard that particular variation before. Um, but Brian, yeah. there's so much to talk about when it comes to LEGO Universe, uh, from how it was developed to what it achieved to the fan community it has generated. Yeah. Uh, but I think sometimes people forget just how amazing uh, this game soundtrack and score is. Um, the actual music that accompanied the game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's amazing because I think in general, people sometimes will forget about the sort of soundscape of a video game, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. In this case, the soundtrack of LEGO Universe mainly features orchestra arrangements that were composed by Brian Tyler. Uh, but the thing is that the soundtrack sort of died alongside the game when the, the plug was pulled on the massively multiplayer online game way back in 2012 because, you know, it, it was an online-only game, which means you can't just load it up and play it when you want to. Yeah. And because of that, you couldn't really listen to any sort of official copy of that wonderful music outside of the game or past the year 2012. That's right. Until now. Yes. Right? <laughs> to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the game's original release, the LEGO Group teamed up with Brian Tyler and Richard Deckard again, you know, to remaster all of the amazing music and release it in a number of forms. Um, you can purchase it as a digital copy of the album in pretty much any online music store. Uh, listen to the entire thing if you want to as a single album on streaming services and YouTube. And there's even plans for a limited-run physical release of the soundtrack, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, um, totally. Now, one of the things I'm super excited about is this YouTube version, uh, which is this continual playing of the album uh, with some pretty nice visual gems uh, coming from the time of LEGO Universe and, and its creation, showing some concept art, you know, mock-up gameplay things, a lot of fan things that are in there, and uh, a lot of footage from the behind-the-scenes back in the days. So that's really exciting. But what's also cool is this conversational podcast today. Um, we had an opportunity to chat with both Richard Deckard and Brian Tyler about those early years of creating the soundtrack back in 2010 and the process of recreating it for this new standalone release that you will be enjoying. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting, Brian. It is. Uh, so, Richard Deckard, for those of you who don't know, is a multi-platinum selling composer, producer, and sound artist who has worked on everything from movies and music to trailers and, and recording projects. He also 
of course, worked on video games, uh, including the massive hit League of Legends by Riot Games and, of course, LEGO Universe. He actually started working with developer NetDevil back when they were creating their car combat massively multiplayer online game Auto Assault. Uh, He then went on to work on League of Legends before coming back to NetDevil as the audio director for LEGO Universe, where he oversaw the creation of the soundtrack, the effects, and the soundscape for the game. Yeah, I love a lot of the stuff that Richard Decker did for the game. There's just so many great sounds and great music, um, including this amazing LEGO Universe opening cinematic. Let's uh, take a listen. Traversing the reaches of space and time, four explorers brought together in their search for a unique and precious element. Patrick Stewart. You get Patrick Stewart to do the narration on this. How how did you guys make that decision? And, and again, was that something that he immediately was up for? One of the problems with talking about things that were 10 years ago is that when we were in the middle of doing this stuff is we didn't get much sleep. Um, so the memories may be, a, you know, a bit foggy, but uh, I remember this came up kind of out of the blue, meaning I'm sure there are other people who are planning this for a long time, but it only came on my radar sort of out of the blue that, oh, this trailer's being produced, we're going to need voiceover for it, who are we going to get? And um, one, one of the things I learned at EA is to don't be afraid to think big. Because when you work with small studios and boutique uh, developers, you you kind of take on this mindset of constantly trying to, oh, we got to save money. Oh, we won't have the budget for that. It won't work. EA removed all of that from me and embedded in me that go big or go home. And um, it it's it's a good philosophy and I do stand by it today. And so that meant, okay, A-list actors, who are we going to get? to be the iconic voice for this trailer. And uh, we came up with, you know, the main principles of the studio had their own inputs. And I don't honestly remember all who was on the list. I do remember Morgan Freeman was one of them. Of course. Yeah, of course. (laughs) The voice of God. (laughs) And, And I do also have this sense that I had assumed Patrick Stewart would do it because the particular trailer in question is based on a spaceship and in space. And it just seemed like the likely choice to me. And I'm not afraid to push things very subtly uh, in the direction I want them to go in. So I I have no doubt that I lobbied hard and made the case very quickly that he's the guy and that's who we should choose. And Brian, I can attest to the fact that Richard was very tired and very beat down because we were in England at Air Studios um, and we were recording Patrick Stewart. I was at least just doing behind the scenes and he was focused on this immense script. I mean, it was this crazy long script, Richard, where I remember where you're having him say things like, press the left button. Oh my God. And I know half of that stuff probably never made it in, but (laughs) I just remember you being super sick that day and... You were trying to keep it together, and when I say sick, I think you were at the beginning of catching something, so it wasn't like you were, you know, half dead. But, but it was a hard day. I remember, you know, jet lag and all. Um, well, yes, I, I, I would just interject that no, I was very sick <laughs> already <laughs> because I had to fly. Well, we should explain. So Patrick Stewart, once he was chosen, 
um, to be the guy. Uh, you know, we go, we negotiated a, a financial arrangement with his management in Los Angeles. Um, and you know, and that was a done deal, but then there was the, the, the harder part of the issue is the time. When are you going to do this? When are you going to meet up? And, you know, he trots all around the world doing a million things every day. You know, one minute he's in New York, next LA. And that's, so we were kind of having a lot of difficulty finding when and where we were going to record him. And I remember I got two days notice that he'll be in London. This is your only chance because he's going to China. And so, you know, Ethan and I, I've, where were you flying from, Ethan? Were you in Europe? No, I, I was flying from Salt Lake, I remember. So, yeah, so Ethan jumped on a plane from Salt Lake. I jumped on a <laughs> plane from Denver. Yep. We flew uh, to London. I was sick the whole flight over. And so those pressurization changes in the cabin were just like an ice pick into my brain. And uh, I, I don't remember if we recorded the same day we landed, um, but it would... It, it would feel like we did, but maybe we didn't. I don't know. But I had to hide that I was sick and I was like just dying inside and drugged up on NyQuil. <laughs> and then I felt bad because uh, he was going to China to do some kind of like three month long theater performance of some play. And I was so afraid that I was going to get him sick oh, right. on his flight to China and, and then ruin some big theater production he was involved in. Yeah. I remember you stayed away from the main interview, and I thought that was wise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, that was good. What was it like working with him? He, As you said, he does a lot of work, and it's all over the place. Was he pretty easy to work yeah. with? Whatever impressions you have of Patrick Stewart as a human being based on his public exposure, that's what he is and better. He's funny and friendly and sweet and nice and cordial and um, just uh, as as good as you could imagine it would be. Okay, Patrick, if you want to just give a rough read, we'll get level set. Do you uh, want to cue me or give an ident for each one or shall I, how shall we? Uh... Uh, we're just going to wild roll and record okay, everything fine. and Very we'll good. edit it later. Very well. They quickly descended upon an ancient temple, a relic of the mythical first builders. Thank you very much, Patrick. So we noticed the difference when you moved from one page to the next based on your head position. Aha. So I think what we might do is do just a page at a time that way. Yep. And I'll I'll uh, just have to pause while I turn the page. Yep, that'll be perfect. Yeah, I remember being a little nervous setting up uh, the behind the scenes camera in the recording booth, but very quickly <laughs> He was just so friendly and nice, uh, putting everyone at ease. And at the end, I'm, I'm sure you remember this, Richard, but Patrick shared his thoughts on, on the Lego brand. I think, because I'm so old, that Lego wasn't around when I was a child. But I made up for it because I have two children. My son is the eldest. And as soon as he could handle anything, I bought him toys. And Lego was one of the very first. He was... A little too young at first to know exactly what to do with it. So when he had gone to bed, I played with it. Mm. And then he would have things uh, that uh, he could uh, he could play with when, when he got up in the morning. So there was a period when I think I was taxing my imagination by having to make something different every night because he wanted to see something new every morning. But uh, we still have them. My children never threw away any of their toys, and uh, so the Lego collection still exists. It's probably worth something, isn't it, now? Yeah. Thank you very much, Patrick. You're welcome. 
I know that you at some point uh, decided to get Brian Tyler or the decision was made to get Brian Tyler involved in the soundtrack. Um, how did that how did that come about? And what was that process like? Well, I think that ties in exactly to why uh, NetDevil and the Lego group were reaching out to me is because the music is just crucial to creating the experience and the emotion of a brand, of a product, of a gameplay experience. I knew that this was going to be bigger than me. And so I needed to find somebody who could, in my opinion, deliver the goods. And there are a million composers you can hire. And there's sort of a sense that if you listen to music, you're an expert in music. And so you know good music because you've listened to music and it made a feeling in you. But there's a, there are many other layers to music other than that in the sense of trying to produce a product. And I knew from listening to Brian's uh, catalog of works that he was going to specifically be able to produce the type of music and themes that would be memorable for generations um, and iconic, the same way uh, movie themes for certain movies are iconic, like Indiana Jones or... Um, space uh, 2001. Um, that's what it's called, isn't it? Space 2001, a space odyssey, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But you see what I'm saying, and that, that you have to have very careful skill set to craft thematic content in music uh, to leave these memory impressions. And it's a skill in itself versus just producing background music. So t- let's talk a little bit about the remaster. Sure. Uh, how did that get? started and what is your involvement on remastering the soundtrack? I made a promise to Brian a long time ago that uh, we would release this soundtrack album. And because of the way Lego universe died, I guess is the appropriate metaphor, um, there were a lot of political implications that prevented that from happening. And Over the past 10 years, a lot of things have changed. A lot of people have changed. Um, And this has created the opportunity for, I think, for new life to be uh, blown into the asset of the music. And Ronnie was just wonderful. He he was always uh, such an advocate for the direction that uh, the music was going in. Um, And he really valued it and helped me navigate the political aspects of getting it produced. And I think he's been really valuable and smart and and, uh, being able to revive this on an appropriate anniversary date um, and gain the political will internally and, and navigate all the different aspects of it to, you know, give something back to the fans who remember it vividly. Yeah, it's interesting. We talked about this a little at the beginning, but I think there are people out there who maybe don't realize or haven't sat back and thought about the fact that, you know, a movie is an hour and a half or a TV show is 30 minutes to an hour, whereas some video games can be literally hundreds of hours or in a game like League of Legends, people will play those games every single day for months or years. And so I'm assuming when you're designing the soundscape for those things, it's got to be a very different thought process in, in like how you can create something that can be listened to that often. It's also mind-boggling when one of the games that you've uh, done 
ends up being a, an esport candidate or, or right. participant <laughs> and and gets broadcast in a stadium full of a hundred thousand people and and broadcast on TV all through Korea, like it it does get insane. But um, the the points you're making is correct that you know you do hear little mistakes, you do uh, often wish you could have fixed something. And it does force you to be very careful about, you know, leaving stuff in that could be better and, and makes you more disciplined uh, because something, well, you know, and, and it's not just video games. I mean, quite often you can write a piece of music and you can think it's going to be a huge success and really be enjoyed. And it turns out to be a miserable flop and failure. And then something that you did in 30 minutes that is kind of a throwaway thing ends up being immensely successful. So um, it's difficult. When you laid in that final master soundtrack, and I remember seeing those files, uh, and you put those into the game and... You know, the first animators and developers and executives, you know, saw it with that music. How did that work? And what was the reaction? There was there was a great sense of satisfaction in knowing that the music was so good. It made my job easier in the sense that I knew I could depend on it and that it worked well and it sent the message it needed to. And, you know, to to the great credit of the Lego executives and uh, NetDevil, uh, you know, founders, I never once received any interference or pushback on what I was doing. And I don't just mean in, in a negative way, but it's quite often in music that, you know, people can get excited and want to get their fingers in the mix just out of excitement and wanting to be involved. Um, but they were really great in that they never tried to get inside what Brian and I were doing and 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 mess with it. And then we're very happy and grateful with the final experience. And that's that's what I take away is the lack of interference. Is it was really the accolade that they approved and were happy with it. But it, it might be somewhat unique in the sense that we produced something as, I don't know the right word, uh, not impressive, but let's say grandiose, uh, because the score really is uh, grand for a video game in, in terms of its production, its use of orchestras. It's not so uncommon nowadays, but 10 years ago, it was less common. And for a kid's game or an MMO, it was even less common. Um, so I think that it helped raise uh, the impression of what was possible in video games. And I think that because the landscape was uh, devoid of maybe this level of production and, and orchestration and music quality, uh, to some degree that journalists noticed it or reviewers noticed it. Uh, it stood out a little because of that, probably. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I always enjoy talking to Richard. He's such a great guy and, uh, you know, has so many cool stories. And how he brought this soundtrack together is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, Next up is our conversation with composer Brian Tyler. Yeah, uh, and uh, again, it's so great that they took the time to do this. Tyler uh, 
has a very busy schedule yeah. uh, and was able to sort of sit down and do this lovely chat with us. For those who, of you who don't know who, who Brian Tyler is, I'm sure you've heard his music, whether you realize it or not. Uh, basically, if you've gone to a movie ever, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically, yeah. You've, you've, you've heard his stuff. Over his career, he scored some of the most iconic film music of the modern age. And, you know, that includes things like He's worked on tons of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, the Expendables trilogy, Crazy Rich Asians, most of the Fast and Furious franchises, and obviously he's also, outside of movies, done a lot of television work. Um, more importantly for us, though, he's also done video game work. Uh, yeah. So obviously Lego Universe, but he he worked on a bunch of other games, including uh, one of my personal favorites, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, uh, Far Cry 3, so yeah, uh, he's he's done a lot of work. So Brian, uh, I've I read somewhere mm -hmm. that you play more than thirty musical instruments and and that you're you're self taught. Yeah, that's amazing. What what got you into music? Like what was what was it that sort of made you realize that music was something that you were you know passionate about? I was lucky. I had the music bug inside, but my parents happened to have musical instruments around. Funny enough, neither of them play music, uh, but there was there was a piano, and uh, my parents got a drum kit from my older sister, who didn't take to it at all, so it was just sitting there, and they brought back a guitar from a trip, and the acoustic guitar was sitting there, and there was a, you know, the different instruments just were, were around, and, and, uh, and, and then my grandmother did play piano. It was quite, you know, amazing in it, so that was definitely an influence but it was you know i just love listening to music my dad was a big music aficionado same with my mom and they were always listening to everything from you know rock to jazz to to film scores classical music from the different eras of classical music and i just was fascinated by all of it from kind of you know pink floyd to chopin and everything in between i and as a kid, uh, kind of hip-hop revolution, I got very interested in that and drum programming as well, along with drumming and electronic music and was always fascinated by, you know, John Williams and film composers. And so the entire time I was constantly just consuming music and as I developed my composing style, it stood on the shoulders of giants, no question. It was uh, something that... I looked up to so many artists and uh, it, the the kind of influence they had became part of whom I became and uh, all the way till here we are today. <laughs> so you, you have gone on to compose and conduct music for more than 70 films, including obviously a lot of huge hits like some of the best uh, Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe films and have done right. tons of work in television. What made you decide way back in 2010 that you wanted to work on Lego Universe in a video game? Yeah, that's right. I mean, up till then, it was pretty much, yeah, I would say 85% film, 15% television, and, and, and it's just, Video games were something that I loved, and Lego, and and the, I mean, I grew up with Lego, uh, you know, and it, it was you know playing and creating. It was the kind of my father's influence. He's a, he's an architect, <laughs> so building oh, wow. and yeah, it, it, this was a big big deal <laughs> growing up. Kind of, you know, I think I could see that I was 
you know, music guy, but at the same time, I really loved building, you know, and and that kind of thing. This and and as well as growing up, you know, doing video games, and and so when I saw this project coming along, it, it seemed like this merging of these two things that I just happened to love, and it it kind of got to that inner little boy <laughs> which which occasionally happens that even happens with the marvel universe you know that i, right, I was right. a co- comic book collector and and when i you know scored star trek or any of these things i i was lucky to work on things that i loved growing up and lego was no different it's just the only difference was that oh wow this is this is cool this is going to be a, a complete immersive universe inside uh, inside something so specifically that I knew as building blocks, so um, it was it was a joy to even you know think about. But then when I got the opportunity to do it, I jumped on it. You so you, this being your first game, uh, and and the fact that this is a massively multiplayer online game, were you were you sort of surprised to find how just how much sound and music had to be created to sort of uh, fill mm. up the game? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting when you're when you're gaming, you you don't necessarily it kind of washes over. You don't necessarily, you know. Right. I think even as as someone that's a composer, I tend to get lost in what I'm doing, and I just the music affects me in the way it's supposed to, kind of you know, in a way that guides you emotionally and and all those things. So. I never really calculated just how much music there would need to be or how it needed to work. And that was something with this score was that with Lego Universe, it's really, it changes every time depending on who's playing. And in that way, that's who's dictating how my music is going to be played and in what order and how one transitions to the next and all these things. So to kind of create everything that was modular where you could go to one world and then to another and back and forth and how those that how that music kind of changes key and goes from one piece to another and backwards and forwards and all these things was something that you have to think about and it's also very interesting because in a way it's like listening to the music how it play with all these different players it's kind of they're all hearing it in a different order and in a different way and, and that's really cool but also it makes it more kind of complicated to just technically do but definitely worth the challenge it was uh it was a blast and then later with with games it became you know i i kind of knew this when i did call of duty and far cry and those things i i knew what i was i was in for you know in a sense and and this kind of um this this really primed me for that yeah i mean it looks like just kind of looking at your history it looks like you you went almost 10 years before you did another MMO. Was that sort of because you were right. bruised from the experience? No, no, no. No, it's just, you know, it's funny. It's more of like a schedule thing. You know, I just, I, I am so tied into movies that often, you know, there when something comes along, I won't be able to fit it in. Uh, but, but with this, it was, yeah, I, I love the experience so much. I mean, I really love the game too, you know, and... Yeah. And like you know, so many people, it was it was so special, and people still feel that way. And and so this one, yeah, it was it always had a, like a special place in my heart. And uh, and but it was fun going back and uh, and getting into it once again about a decade later. <laughs> Thank you. 
Brian, how did you come up? How did you find that light motif, the the main motive, the dun 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 dun? dun. I mean, that is so um, undeniably Lego Universe. I don't think <laughs> that yeah. can ever be unheard once you hear it. It is Lego Universe. How did you come up with that? And and was that something that kind of came natural, or did you uh, really yeah. have to kind of dig deep? No, the, the what's so funny? That was the very first thing that occurred to me of anything in the entire oh, that man. that motif was before any of the Nimbus Plaza or anything. It was like it, it, the, I heard, and it was just like that. It's one of those things that you never know <laughs> where or when it's going to happen. Kind of like I don't know how composing works. I have no idea how my brain kind of comes up with. So it's funny because I talk to students and people, and how does that? How does it happen? And it's like, yeah. I have no idea. The, the terrifying thing is that I'm just going to wake up one day and it's like blank. Nah. You know? Like, I don't think so. Like, it's just like, wait. I, I, don't, I don't have a process of like sitting down and kind of, some people are kind of improvisational. They'll sit down, they'll, they'll kind of tinker around on the piano until they find something. For me, it's always I'm sitting there and all of a sudden it appears in my head and I, and I have to go write it down or, or pick it out kind of, you yeah. know, from my head. So... When I sat down, this the, I, I remember so distinctly. It was like brass, and that kind of that that last part. It becomes almost, you know, the first part's very like you know adventure, and then with even within that main melody, it goes into this kind of legato emotional part of it right away and that was unusual that it didn't kind of just continue in this one tone all the way through it the the actual theme is a multi-part kind of multi multi-tonal adventure and i and in a way i think that makes a lot of sense if you think about it i wasn't thinking about it when i wrote it, it just happened but because it, of the different worlds and the different tones and the different places you can go it's like a journey of yeah. many different kinds and and so that to me i was really happy with with the theme and glad that i thought of it <laughs> man i'm glad too you know yeah. and the thing when sir patrick stewart's voice comes in on that on the cinematic trailer it's like oh the my four God, explorers yeah. were jubilant and then you hear dun dun dun, dun like it it's it <laughs> so a better marriage yeah yeah you know it's so funny i it's it's crazy i didn't meet him until about two years ago when i did charlie's nice. angels i i was just at elizabeth bank's house we were at it was some some shindig i don't remember what it was but anyway he he walks in you know and it's like dang there's patrick stewart and so um i was like ah do i talk to him and I, you know I'm huge patrick stewart fan from even from yeah. i claudius days but huge trekker and all that and so i just walk up to him like hey man you know i wrote your theme whatever for charlie's angels and and because he's <laughs> bosley and 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 yeah. everybody's like you know but it's crazy that we worked together before on lego universe <laughs> you know and, and it was like such a proud moment for me to have that i mean that voice that could read a phone book and make it interesting over my, oh my music gosh. just just making it sound so so good you know it just nails every word and yeah that was that was fun i often kind of almost hear his voice still when i hear the theme just kind of in my head <laughs> you know <laughs> okay, let's uh, take a little journey back in time to end of May 2010 and listen to some of the excerpts from a video I did back then on the creation of the music for LEGO Universe. We're recording with this fantastic orchestra in, in Bratislava, and we're here in Los Angeles monitoring it. 
actually we can see them and we can hear them and experience it as it goes. But uh, for us, it starts starts at midnight and it goes all through the night till the morning. And for them, it's the daytime and it's this kind of weird thing, you know. Uh, no matter what, when you're doing sessions and you want to record the music for something, you want it to be the best it possibly can. And, um, but you kind of get flipped around. You're a little bit upside down uh, in terms of time. So we, you know, we're in a darkened studio anyway. We don't really know what <laughs> what time it is. Talk to me a little bit about that time zone switch. This is 2010, so obviously getting, you know, really stable internet connections to work. Alan Wilson and the um, Slovak orchestras is performing. Mm. How did that work, and and um, was that a good experience? Was it a little frustrating? Uh, were there ups and downs? How did that work for you, uh, being in L.A. and trying to get that all to come together? Yeah, you know, it was it was really cool, actually. I think because everyone involved was just was great. It could have been highly stressful because, you know, you're you're hanging on a thread. You know, you're recording this orchestra all the way across the world and it's in the middle of the night in LA and and, and it's in Bratislava. So, you know, here we are recording and just praying that, you know, the, the internet doesn't go down and all of a sudden you're just, I mean, there's nothing you can do, you know, and and so I just talked to them ahead of time and talked to Alan and I'd worked with Alan before, the conductor who was great and he was, he flew in from London into Bratislava to conduct it and, yeah. uh, you know, it was like, okay, if if everything goes sideways and all of a sudden we lose contact, <laughs> you know, um, here's here's what I'd love for you to do and you kind of give your best you know, foot forward. Fortunately, it it didn't happen. We had some glitches here and there, um, you yeah. know, but really it was so smooth. By, you know, a couple hours in, I felt like I was just in the booth in Bratislava talking to them, talking to the orchestra. And, you know, it, it sounded, you know, you had this amazing Pro Tools rig recording it in yeah. in the room out there. The, the, the hall is beautiful. It sounded amazing. And uh, yeah, so for me, it was just, and it was, it was a great experience. It was fun hanging out with everybody in LA. And I, I love recording sessions. It just, it, it just took a minute to kind of get in the groove with knowing that there is this time difference. And, you know, it's like, there's a little bit of a delay when you're talking to them. But yeah. uh, it was, so. it was awesome, especially 2010. That's incredible. And what Brian has done with this music, it's absolutely terrific. This is conductor Alan Wilson speaking. He's written everything that is needed for the orchestra to interpret the piece, and the orchestrators are first class. There's nothing we need to add, or there's very little I need to say. It's all written in the music, to, so that the final take is exactly what Brian imagined in his mind in the first place. Believe me, it's fantastic. So so now we're, we're here 10 years later, and... Uh, well, probably, obviously, uh, maybe a year ago, you you at some point hear that they're talking about remastering the game soundtrack. What's mm -hmm. the first first thought that goes through your head when you hear about this? Yeah, you know, well, excited because I was wanting the music to be available to to fans uh, and and also just music fans as well, but certainly people that may hear the music now and you know, what is this? You know, and <laughs> but but really, if you've lived a game you you really love it and you've been in that world it's real to you you know it's it's like if if you hear so if you hear music 
it, it is one of those memories. It's like a smell. It, it just takes you back to the time, like beyond anything. You know, it reminds you of the summer of whatever year, you know, when you were in seventh grade or whatever it might be. And and to me, you know, all these all these people that love the game, they were there and this music means something to them. And it kind of is almost like a beyond nostalgia. It's a, it's, it's a place that they spent time. And so it's an emotional connection to it. So I was so happy that that could be now provided for those people as well as, you know, a greater audience, but certainly the people that love the game, that that's special to me, that, that it's, the music is special to them. So, I was so excited that uh, you know that was that is happening. Do you when you're 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 the one doing the remastering? I assume, right? Are you working yeah. directly mm-hmm. on this? What in doing that? Are you just going in and trying to sort of improve the sound with the latest technology, or are you trying to sort of tweak things? Like, are you going in and doing a little editing? If it yeah. were words, so no, it's. It, I think what I want to do is go back and it, it's really preserve how it, it originally was musically. So when people hear it, they are immediately transported back in time to you know uh, all the time when they were playing it and and being in that world. Uh, but the thing about it is, is that I want it to be as clear and and. Uh, perfect sounding in terms of music and how it would translate onto speakers or headphones or whatever it might be in today's world. And so it's kind of that remixing, remastering, making sure it's just really, really perfect sounding where it's like the best possible uh, sounding music that you can you can have, and and so it's just like a careful process of of making sure you preserve what it was you know, musically and emotionally, but sonically it's in the best possible position. Where, have you found any particular challenges in doing that? Any any issues you've run into? Well, the thing that I hadn't done before is kind of balance it for a single listen where you put it on, you kind of start on track one, you go all the way through and you have this musical journey and it, it has to be an album as well, you know, so... It it was really that was that was the thing, kind of making sure that everything flowed together really naturally from a perspective of sound and music. So it feels like you know you're you're almost going to a concert and you're listening through how one goes from one to the next. So ordering it was important, and also just making sure that the levels and the 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 kind of the tone of the mixing and the EQ and all those things really flowed together. So it was really one tapestry, one piece. And uh, I'm really happy with it. Now, I, I know you talked a little bit about this a little earlier, but you have gone on to score some of the biggest Hollywood hits out there. And uh, you obviously have a full plate. Why did you decide to come back and and do this work on a video game that you you were involved in ten years ago? Like you, I'm sure you have other things you could be doing yeah. with your time. No, sure. Well, it is one of those things that was probably in terms of like a soundtrack. It was kind of it was the one that got away. It, it, I was so proud of it, and still am of this score. Like I love it, and I nice. you know I get asked about it 
all the time. Is that going to be available? Is that going to be available? I mean, it's 10 years of me fielding questions saying, I don't know. You know, I hope it is. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I, you know, anytime I'd go to Comic-Con and I'd be signing stuff and I'd, is that going to be available? It's like, you know, I, and, and it's uh, so partly that, but, you know, partly whenever I'd answer, I'd say, you know, I was, I was earnestly feeling like, dang, yeah, I hope it is. You know, I really want that for you know the fans and for and also for the for new people i just i'm yeah. really proud of the music and i'm proud of the game so yeah i i was not going to miss a beat in terms of wanting to help out and um get this out there to the to the world Man, that was, uh, I really, I know we said this already about uh, talking to Richard, but uh, Brian was, it was such a, a great interview. And uh, again, a reminder of the importance of music, that music plays, not just in our lives, uh, but also in in video games. Maybe I said that backwards, but you know what I mean. It's, <laughs> it's important, and I think it has a lasting impact. And that's obvious here, because we're now returning to this music from 10 years ago. Yeah, and I think the way that Brian Tyler composed the music for LEGO Universe is pretty amazing because, as he said, he wasn't composing for a set film that had these locked scenes that, you know, were already conveying everything they needed to convey, and then he adds music and, you know, elevates it. But he's working in these kind of, like, little worlds and these little silos where the gameplay kind of defines, you know, the mood and the feeling and, of course, the art. And it was just fascinating to hear how he went about doing that. And uh, I, I like to think back of that night that we were kind of pulling that all-nighter and recording. And here he is conducting, you know, rocking out to the music, having a great time while it's being recorded in Bratislava. And I'll, I have really fond memories of that night and just seeing that magic come together and those little fun fun interplays between the composer, the conductor, and Richard Deckard in really crafting the music for this amazing game. Man, is music ever important? And did we did we learn a lot from, from I think, this soundtrack and just taking it as serious as they did and making great music? Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you what, one thing that this episode really made me want to do is go listen to that music. So I'm, I'm really excited for it coming out so I can sort of just chill to the, the soundscape of LEGO Universe. So while we focused exclusively on the soundtrack for LEGO Universe in this particular episode, uh, we did also speak with Brian and Richard about the life and death of the game in our two-part examination of LEGO Universe. Uh, that's sort of they sort of sandwiched this episode. So you can go and listen to those uh, two episodes together to hear about the making of the game. Uh, make sure you, you you check it out if you want to hear more about how how that game, LEGO Universe, came to life, its convoluted development, and, and unfortunately, its ultimate, and, and some say untimely, death. Bits and Bricks is made possible by LEGO Games. Our producer is Ronnie Scher. Your hosts are Brian Crescente and Ethan Vincent. Episode producing and editing by Ethan Vincent. 
Writing by Brian Crescente. Mixing and sound design by Dan Carlisle. Original music by Brian Tyler from the remastered LEGO Universe original game soundtrack. Additional music by Peter Primer. We'd like to thank our participants, Richard Deckard and Brian Tyler. We'd also like to acknowledge the entire LEGO Games team, as well as the great folks at the LEGO Idea House for their support. For questions or comments, write us at bitsandbricks@lego.com. And as always, stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks. <laughs>